What is up, guys? Welcome back to episode nine of the Zach and Pat Show. I'm Zach. I'm Pat. And welcome back. It's episode nine. It's Monday. So, uh, Monday episode, that means it's just Pat and I. Um, before we get kind of into what we wanted to talk about today, uh, just a reminder, um, we are doing the book club. So, we are reading a book a month for the year 2024. So, uh, join us along. Join us with that. And uh, this month we are reading uh, Atomic Habits. We're going to read the book, and then um, at the end of the month we're going to do a podcast all about the book and just kind of review it. Um, so, you know, watch or get the book, read it along with us. So uh, now <laughs> let's get into uh, what, what what are we talking about today, Pat? Uh, today we are going to dive into the fun subject of toxic masculinity. Now, this is going to upset some people, probably. You know, hey, you know that, but <laughs> as a show that where we talk about being a man, you know, fatherhood, um, you know, the mentality that it takes for those things, I feel like this is a topic that needs to be discussed. Um, sure. You know, there's there's so many things that go into it. I mean, society, or what 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 we see as the definition of toxic toxic masculinity. It, you know, it refers to the notion that some people's idea of manliness perpetrates domination, homophobia, and aggression. Toxic masculinity involves cultural pressure, pressures for men to behave in a certain way. And it's, it's likely this affects all boys, men in some fashion. And so well, I want to dive into this. And, and first, for you, what, what, what is it for you to be a, a man? What is it when you hear, like, you know, when you define it for yourself? What do you, what traits and what do you say when it comes to being a man? Uh, well, there's a hand, couple different things. I think of somebody who can provide, somebody who is strong, not just physically, but emotionally, mentally. Um, uh, Standards, I mean, yeah, yeah. Holding standards, having a, having a standard and sticking to that standard. I mean, I would say those are my big, my biggest things that what I would classify as a man. What is your definition of no? I, yeah, I mean, it's a lot of the same stuff. It's it's one having those standards. Um, you know, me as a for me as a man and a father, and the way I want my kids, I want my kids to have a set of standards. And you you hit it, the hit the nail on the head. Not just physical strength. But emotionally strong, mentally strong, um, because I feel, uh, you know, back in the day when our parents were being, were growing up and all that, emotions weren't really talked about. And that's a big thing that's come around. And, you know, to be a successful person, you have to be in control of your emotions and you have to understand your emotions. And I feel like that's something that has, has kind of, you know, and, and a lot of men that that's one of those things that they are always told like, Hey, you're not allowed to show emotion. You're not allowed to have emotion. Well, you know, luckily for me growing up, like I can tie it all back into baseball is, you know, it's very easy to get emotional in that sport. So I had to learn from a young age, how, how to control my emotions, what my emotions were and how they were affecting me and my performance. And it's not just on the field too, but like in business, how, how my emotions are going to affect me in my, in my business. And then also personally and with personal relationships. So being mentally strong, emotionally strong, physically strong, having standards, like I am going to be respectful of everyone. I'm going to be tolerant of everyone. I want, like, I may not believe 
and have the same beliefs that someone else may have, but I'm not going to judge them based on that. I want to sit down and understand where they're coming from. Cause Hey, I'm, you know, there might be things that even though we disagree that we might be able to have a conversation that I can learn from them on. And hopefully they learn from me because I, you know, obviously everybody's different. Everybody has different standards and different beliefs. Um, but that's the thing is like, I'm not going to sit here and judge someone based on how they live their life or what they want to do with their life. I'm going to, I want to understand. And that's another part of it is being a man is being understanding um, and patient. Uh, just, it's, there's so many things that tie into it, but ultimately, you know, as, as a man, you know, a gentleman, you know, you know, polite, uh, I was always taught, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. And you know, it's, it's, it's just kind of strange how today you can get chastised for saying yes, sir, or no, sir, or yes, ma'am, or no, ma'am. And that's frustrating because in my mind and the way I was raised, that's just being respectful and being polite. Um, and that's how I'm raising my sons. And also, you know, in terms of, I mean, trying to, again, teach them that there are right ways to do this. And then chivalry, you know, I was always taught open the car door and let, let a woman in, hold the door open for them or when you're going into a restaurant, you pull out their seat and you, you let them sit and then you sit uh, walking like, and, and walking on the sidewalk. You walk towards the inside of the street, closest to the street, and the, the, the woman is on the outside. It's just little things like that. But now those things are, are being lumped in and called toxic. And, you know, I just, I don't, for the life of me, I don't understand it. And I, I and which, you know what? Cool. If that's what you want to believe, but I'm still going to live my life the way that I'm living it. And I'm going to teach my kids the same thing because I've always found that that's basic. It's just a basic respect. Yeah. I mean, so, it's, just, it's just a respectful thing. I right. don't think anything that you said there should be deemed as a negative thing or something that, you know, you shouldn't do for somebody. Right. I mean, it's like someone, someone's walking in behind me or walking behind me into a store. I mean, it's just nice to hold the door open. Right. And it's, you know, it's, it's, like, it's not that I'm just doing it for, for women either. Yeah. I'm doing it for anyone, and you know, care what, and, what and, person who, right. And you know, I was, I, I was talking with somebody recently that went to open the door and first for someone that had a bunch, a bunch of stuff in their hands and they were like, Oh, I can do, and I can do that. I'm like, well, fine. Let me shut the door in your face yeah, and I'll, you and know, I'll just yeah, I'll shut the door. Yeah. Like, <laughs> let me just shut the door in your face. Like, no, like that's not like, yeah. I'm not doing it because I don't think you're capable of doing it. I'm doing it because that's just a kind gesture. And I think some of that stuff gets misinterpreted and it's, I don't think it's right. Um, you know, and then competitiveness, you know, I think a lot of men, ha I mean, it gets to a point where, yeah, if your ego gets in the way, that can be a bad thing, but and men in nature are, are competitive people. And I don't think we have the, the economy and the society and the thing that we, the, the success that we've had as a country if we weren't competitive, you know, like businesses, oh, yeah. if businesses weren't competitive, right? What, what would we, we have? Yeah, if, if like, it wasn't <laughs> like if we didn't want to, you know, and 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 you know, some of the wars that we fought, if we weren't competitive to win these wars, would we still be a, like going back to the Civil War? What would have happened if there wasn't a competitive drive from the people of the North against the people of the South? Right? You know, or what? Uh, you know, when we were fighting against the British, like all those things, like we had a like a a, a passion and a competitiveness. 
that drove us because we wanted to win to be better. Bro, we'd be speaking German right now. I know. You know, if if we didn't have, if we didn't, if that wasn't something that competitiveness was some, wasn't something that was important to people. And you got to think, you got to think how far this has got us as a society for forever. Competitiveness is what, is what basic, what is it, the, the Darwin, a uh, law. Murphy's law. Uh, well, Darwin. Murphy's law is whatever can go wrong will go, go wrong. wrong. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah. know that. Um, but uh, well, yeah. Now I'm thinking Darwinism, survival of the fittest. It's just natural human evolution, mm-hmm. where the competitive, the person who is competing, he they win and they survive. Their bloodline goes on. Like that's just how. That's how we've evolved to what we are. How we you know evolved from. I think it was like a shrew, you know, mm-hmm. humans are like originally from like a shrew. Right. And we've evolved from that. Right. So we've done that by winning and, and, and succeeding and, and reproducing with being the one that's winning. And so there's nothing wrong with that at all, in my opinion. Right. And, I, and, and I'm just looking at it here and I, I just Google just traits of toxic, toxic masculinity. Now, some of these, absolutely. Very toxic. But here's the thing. It's toxic no matter whether you're masculine or feminine. And, but for whatever reason, they're all getting labeled towards being masculine. And that's aggression, sexual assault, violence, homophobia, dominance, and abuse. Abso-fucking-lutely. Yeah, all awful things. Awful, whether, awful things. I don't, you know, whether you're a man, woman, black, white, straight, gay, trans. Doesn't any matter. Of the, you're that, it, it doesn't any of matter. those things are all bad no matter what what you are. So, but here, here's where I have an issue is because now they're talking like we just talked about competitiveness. That's a toxic trait. Physic, physically tough. Like that's, that's a toxic trait. I mean, I, I can't help the fact that I'm six, three (laughs) and 260 pounds and, and like broad and big right. and, and strong. <laughs> like, guy. like I work out to be strong. Like I want to be strong. Of course. But I wouldn't that's talk. To- that's toxic. Like, I don't, I don't understand. I, I don't understand that. I don't either, man. I that's- mean, it would be one thing if I was doing this just to, to abuse and dominate people, but no, I do it because for me being in the gym is one of the best ways to develop mental toughness because most of the time when I go, I don't want to be there. But I push myself through to get not like the physical results are great, but mentally, the fact that I was able to push through it made me mentally stronger. And because and as a result of lifting heavy weights, yes, I am going to be stronger. physically tough. I'm not going to sit here and try and go out and prove it by fighting people, but to sit here and classify being physically tough as toxic, like. So am I toxic just because I'm physically strong? <laughs> Fuck all the other traits that I have as a good person and, and things like that. But just because I'm physically strong, I'm toxic or I wouldn't be as successful as I am in business without competitiveness and my competitiveness. And here, like, that's the thing. It's just like, I'm, I guess I, in, in society's eyes, I'm a toxic person and that's bullshit yeah, I because I know people I like, I know some people that are way worse that sit here and try and say that that aren't competitive or aren't physically tough or or anything like that. And they don't obviously they don't have those, but they are like they're toxic people. And I try and keep them out of my life and I try and stay away from those people. But at the same time, 
I'm getting labeled as toxic because just because of those things. And I think, I don't think that's right. I don't think that's fair. Um, but ultimately it's, you know, and I think the narrative around those things needs to change. And I'm glad that we're, we're talking about this. Yeah. So sure. A question I think actually I could raise to the both of you about the topic is this, is that, is it that society deems what masculinity is toxic and what isn't? Or is it that someone created a definition and a few people have decided to carry that definition? What do you think it's more of? Well, I think it's more of the the small majority that's being allowed. Like there's a very small amount of people being very loud. And just because of social media, I think it's amplified. Right. And that's my. Because uh, it's like I, if you go talk to real people in real life, you, I feel like I've never experienced much of that in my life personally. I've never had any, I've never had someone in my life say that I'm like doing something like that was a toxic, you know, that was some, that was toxically masculine or anything like that. I mean, I do some of the most, like, I guess by definition, toxic masculine things there is. I mean, I do martial arts right, four to six days a week. Yeah, you're, I'm, you're, I'm in a gym trying to break my friend's arms and strangle them unconscious. And right. I mean, does that make me? No bad guy. No, it our, it's I mean, a sport. Yeah, it's a sport. It's, it's fun. A sport. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, like that's, that's what I'm saying is like, if that's the case, then pretty much any male professional athlete is a toxic person. Sure. And most of them are some of the best people I know. Like, like I was fortunate enough to, to listen this past week to Kyle Gibson, new Cardinals pitcher, amazing guy. When I was still playing, we trained together. One of my best friends growing up was his catcher through the minor leagues. So I know I've, I've gotten to know Kyle over the years, not great, but just having been around him and you know, he might be one of the best human beings that I know, but by definition and what people are saying, he could be considered toxic, but this is a guy who is very centered in his faith and he loves playing baseball and being competitive, like listening to him and things like things that we've talked about process. Mm-hmm. He talked about his process in this, in a speech that he gave. And he talked about the way he goes about this and, and the drive that he has when he's on the mound. But ultimately that's what he does. But his ultimate passion is, is charities that he works with and being, um, you know, the vice president of major league impact and, and the charity that he runs with Adam Wainwright. And like by definition, According to what we Google, all you got to do is put in toxic masculinity. You can just put in the word toxic, and the first thing that pops up is toxic masculinity. So it's something that That's is like become such a new term, too. right? You know right, what I mean? but it's I feel it's like... gaining more and more traction and more and more like steam, sure, and or speed, and it, it it's it's not like if you want to. If you really want to do it, like toxic masculinity, yeah, those those first five that we talked about, those are that would be tos- toxic masculinity. For sure. Okay, what were they again? So that would be aggression, sexual assault, violence, homophobia, phobia, dominance, abuse. Um, let's see, uh, object, object, objectifying women, promiscuity. That's all. That's those are those, those are, are toxic, awful, awful things. Absolutely, one hundred percent. If that was it. Yeah, I'm all for, I'm <laughs> yeah. all for labeling. Sign me up for the exactly. I agree. Exactly. Um, but it's the, but it's all it, the it's stuff all, under that. All the it, other stuff you know, that the, you're lumping in the, the positive traits of a man and being masculine with these negative ones, and that's not right because it, it's just it's unbelievable that you know you're looking at certain people and people are going to get labeled that just because of who they are. 
and it's not right in my in my in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you should just label anybody just no. by just by their physical appearance. You know, Mm-mm. that's it. Just kind of goes back into well, all it goes. That, you know, you just yeah, you can't it, just judge a book by their cover. You right, know, judge you judging yeah. people like you know, or or assuming. You know, they always say you, you make an ass out of you and me when you assume, and I you you see people and and you know, like I said, it, part of being a man. And being masculine is is being tolerant and understanding and being able to, all right, this person, well, I want to, I want to get to know this person. I want to understand where they're coming from. And, but I don't think it's the same way because you hear, you, you start hearing, you know, the people, you know, they're like, oh, I'm tolerant of everyone. But then you start spewing toxic masculinity. That's, that's not true because if you were tolerant of everyone and, 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 and you, you wouldn't be lumping and judging pretty much every man out there because I could almost say every man or any masculine person is going to have all of at least one of those traits. Like there's another one on here, unafraid of taking risk again, where the hell would we be as a country? Where would I be in business? I wouldn't be anywhere. I wouldn't be anywhere. I wouldn't be anywhere. Hell, we just did a whole podcast our last episode about, in order to be successful, you have to take risks yeah, in our business. For sure. In any business. Any business. Any business is a risk. So any business owner now. High risk, high reward, man. Yeah. So <laughs> I guess, I, it's like that, you know, does that same thing for feminine? Femininity. 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 Yeah. Femininity. And so. That's yeah, a hard thing for me to so say. Like, <laughs> like we're in what is that finding nemo but no i mean but that's the thing is our, our female i guess does that mean female business owners are toxic as well yeah you know that's it that's kind be. of where that's kind of where this is heading is like where does it stop and it, you can't i don't think it's fair to lump in the good traits of people and call them toxic because we wouldn't be here as a country or, or have the success, the businesses, the successful businesses that we have, small or large, if there wasn't competitiveness or un, unafraid to take a risk. Yeah. You know, so, um, but again, yeah, it goes back to, it just goes back to the small, a small minority creating this definition and it just gains steam or gains speed and it keeps growing and growing and growing. And now, I mean, it's, it's one of those things where you have to, we have to we have to nip it in the bud, you know. We have to we have to have these conversations. More and more people have to have these conversations, and it's it, it, but it's not happening. I don't know if people are just afraid to have this conversation. I, I don't know if it's well, what it is, but we can't we can't be afraid because of small minority trying to label everyone as toxic because we're not. You know, we have to stand our ground and say no, that's bullshit. Yeah. So question. What if the best way to, I guess, maybe not rebel against those people, but to give them the right idea, how would you go about showing them those things? Because for a lot of people, they need dramatic examples. And to tell someone something typically doesn't set. I mean, come on the podcast. Yeah. Let's have a conversation. Yeah, Shit. We'll talk yeah. about it. I just, I mean, I was going to say, I mean, I think this is a pretty good way. Right. Okay. I think long form conversation is right. A, I mean, that's, that's become a new, a new art over the last 10 years. I mean, right. that's, that's kind of where podcasts really started picking up steam, or at least when I remember them. I think the first podcast I ever listened to was really back in college. My, yeah. my freshman year of college, I remember my roommate, t- like, 
showed me this podcast, and we were we it was a the Dirty Sports podcast. I think they're still <laughs> doing it, but it was just uh, just two comedians talking shit about sports, and that was that was the first podcast I ever like regularly listened to, and then like from there found Rogan, and right. then yeah. Went, went down that rabbit hole, <laughs> you know. Um, but uh, yeah. But, oh, anyway, what was I saying? Long form, long form conversations. I think right. that that that's where people can actually really discuss, and that's the biggest difference between like forms of media like this versus like Fox News or CNN or any of these big major media corporations. Their viewership is down like. 80% or something right. for last I heard. I don't, I don't know. I'm sure you could maybe look up the stats, but I, uh, I know that they're down exponentially compared to big, you know, like big podcasts. Right. For well, sure. I mean, and, most people like this form of independent media way more. Right? Uh, it's, it's long form. You can actually say shit without every, every seven minutes we got to cut to commercial. Right. And, and we're not being it. influenced by other people that we have to push an agenda. Yeah. You know, we have our own beliefs and we're going to, that's, we're going to talk about our own beliefs, whether, you know, if you don't, if you don't agree with them, okay, well then you don't have to listen, right? you know, but maybe listening might give you another perspective on, on things like this. I mean, you've got three white guys sitting at a table yeah. and, <laughs> and chatting about this stuff right. and, you know, three successful guys yeah. talking about this stuff. And this is still things, these are still things that are, it affects us in a way, you know, and it's, it's one of those. It's just, I. I'll be honest I, though, dude. I don't think about it. I, I, just, I, I just live my life. I, same here. You know? I, don't I don't either. Don't. But when <laughs> like, well, the, like the first time it'll happen to you, it's kind of like, and someone looks at you and you're just like, wait, what did I just do that offended you? And I'm like, well, I'm sorry. That's that's on you for being offended. Not you know, but ultimately it's like. I had it, you know, I talked to a buddy that just opened a door. I've had it happen where I've held a door open. That's usually where we, where I've seen it is holding a door for someone. And like, I can do it myself. I'm like, great, but got shit in your hands. I just figured this was the, this was the nice, (laughs) this was just a nice gesture. I'm not like, you could have been a man or a woman. You got shit in your hands. Like, you know, it's always fun. Like when I go to a restaurant, it's, it's, and it's amazing to see how many people don't hold doors open for people for today. Uh, I went to this local breakfast spot, the shack. I went there yesterday. Yeah. Love the place. Awesome. And, uh, so I was walking out and it was an older couple coming in behind me and just having the wherewithal to be like, all right, you know what? I'm gonna hold the door open for them. And they're like, Oh my God, thank you. Like they were shocked that someone would hold the door open for them. Old people. Yeah. Like an older couple. It was in the, they're like, Oh yeah, that's really nice of you. I'm like, <laughs> Oh, you can thank it's my parents. Normal. Yeah. yeah and then, the and, and as I'm holding the door open for them to leave and for me to leave, a younger couple comes walking in and just brushes right past us. And, Didn't and say a word. Right. And, and, and at the same time, almost knocked the older couple over. Because they were trying to get past Just them. because they were like, no, show some oh. respect, wait your fucking turn, and then go in. But they just kind of brush past them. And I'm still sitting there holding the door. And I'm just like, thank you for visiting the shack please enjoy your breakfast and just like, <laughs> okay, yeah, you know, kind of, it, it, but it's again, I don't know if it's just society, just not having manners or, you know, where does that go back to? Is that, I mean, that goes back to the parents. Does that go to, to what they're seeing on social media and what people are throwing at them? It, it's, it's like, that's the ultimate thing. Like 
one of the very first thing both myself and my ex-wife were teaching the boys were manners. Mm-hmm. Like, no, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Please. And thank you. Like just basic things that are now like, apparently just, that's not a thing anymore. And it's terrible. We're raising a, you know, there's a generation of fucking rude people. Yeah. I, I held the door the other day and some girl just walked by. Just yeah. Next and just didn't even look at me. Well, and then uh, it acknowledged also, me. I just said, you're welcome. And then, <laughs> well, and here's and here's where it becomes an issue too. Is like you're starting to see it within certain industries, like oh, dude, the, the service, the service <sighs> industry, man. Like it is insane. Like you, like the level of service that you get at certain restaurants now. You're just like, but when you get a good one, you, you, oh, you respect you, the abso- fuck out of absolutely. It, dude. I, uh, I mean, I'm, I have a dude. Gina hates or doesn't hate going to eat with me, but she, it's a, it's a. Well, I'm, it's less now because I'm. It's not the business I'm in anymore, but. I mean, I was edited restaurants for 10 years. So, like, yeah. I was very critical of the service. Oh. Well, any, anytime I, well, anytime I'm in a restaurant, I'd always, I'm watching because I like to see, like, all right, that's, that's the service station. All right, that's where the food comes, you know, that, that's the window, you know. Like, right. What do the bathrooms they, look like? Yeah. And I, yeah. I look at the bathroom. I look at everything, bro. Yeah. And, uh, you know, but I'm, I'm very, I'm very harsh or critical of the, the server and their manners oh, and, their, and their process and like absolutely. their frequency. Um, but, uh, yeah, just yesterday when I, I went to the shack. And then, like, it was, we had a great server, but the host I had just, you know, how many? Three, there'll be three of us. I, yeah, they're on their way. She just, like, just grabbed the menus, took off, set them down on the thing, and walked away, like, not even, like, acknowledged my, she just, like, thank you, threw them down, and I was like, Thanks. I don't have to come you know? here. I don't have to spend my Dude, money you're here. You're, like, invite, you're the one, you're, like, the first person you're the first impression of the restaurant. Yeah. Like that's what, that's what I always used to say. I'm glad you host. said that. Cause whenever they would say that, like when you worked at a restaurant, you didn't believe it. And then yeah. like, when you go, you're like, fuck, it's true. You are. Mm-hmm. You're the first person that they're interacting with. So it's like, you know, you're, you're getting knocked down on the ladder right there. And it's like, all right, well you gotta, you gotta come back up a little bit before I'm going to bring you back up. And right. Then, you know, it's just, uh, I'm very critical, but it, it's, but I'm I the, I'm the same it, way. But, but again, we're both technically service yeah, service, so, yeah, yeah customer service, customer sure. service, one hundred percent. Like, I'm shooting for five stars from everyone. Like, mm-hmm. no matter what, from from the people that they talk to on my team, to me, to everyone throughout the process, is they you're going to get a five star experience, and that's what we want. We want like because it keeps people coming back, it keeps oh, for people sure. referring to us. Like every person, I mean, I know we've. we've fucking kick this we beat this dead horse but like everybody right. you everybody you work with is, is, is i mean every you, it's not just that person that you work with right they're all the people the whole network that they know man. right is so many great relationships that i've created of you know great people that i've met and helped and then they've just like send me anybody that they've sent me so many people i can think of several people that i've worked with that are like you know they're they're a, a pillar right. in my business honestly well, and that's the thing too. Like, I remember we all went to Missouri State. Yeah. Do you just, do you guys remember the major hospitality and restaurant administration or yeah. management? Yeah, yeah. I remember there's a restaurant in St. Louis, Gillardi's. I don't know. Did you guys ever have Gillardi's? It's my it's my favorite restaurant. Really? Down there, it's a steakhouse. It's hidden. It's actually in, in a in house, Springfield in a house behind a house on Walnut Street. Okay. Yeah. And over by Ebbets or something. It, yeah. No, so, Ebbets was on Walnut, right? Yeah, Ebbets. So like, if you go like you're heading towards campus. And where you would turn left on, what is that? Not Kimbrew, but is that Cherry? No, Cherry runs parallel. Elm? Elm. No, no Elm runs, Elm, it goes, I don't know. It goes Cherry, Elm, uh, 
Walnut. So, so no, 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 yeah. other way. Other so way. Wal- but whatever, whatever. Walnut. So Walnut. Walnut, whatever streets running towards campus, whatever that is. Once you right at Walnut, where where um, Hammond's uni- or the University Plaza is. Yes. Okay. So like directly across from University Plaza is where those houses start on Walnut. Well, there's a house, and then right behind it is Gilardi's. It's a real small. Little Almost like they converted a, like a, a detached garage into a really nice restaurant. Really? Like it's not huge, but the only way you're allowed to work there is if you're a hospitality and management major. Uh, major. Oh, that's cool. I'm telling you what, man, Missouri State does a hell of a job because I, I don't know how it is now, but the people that work there, phenomenal service. Really? Like from the time you walk in the door to the time you sit, to sitting down, to drinks, to the servers. And I, like, that's the thing you go to any nice steakhouse, Chris's, um, Fleming's, uh, any, any dude, twisted tree, twisted it's tree, my favorite dude. It's Absolutely. Every time. I mean, that's one of my favorite things about it is the service, the service, every person, every server there yeah. is like, I've never had a bad, bad experience. And I've been there yeah. dozens of times. Yeah. I, and like, so I have my places that I'll go and there's places that I'll try. And if the service is shit, I'm not going back. I don't For care sure. how fucking good their food is. hundred percent. I'm not going back. Same way. You know, and it, it just, again, it's all shit that just stems from people not fucking caring or taking pride in who they are and, and having that respect or that standard for themselves. And, but I'm the toxic one. We're the toxic ones. And it's, it's, and it's not, it's bullshit. And I, I hate to see where this is going as a society in terms of that, especially the service industry, because it's gotten pretty bad. It's gotten pretty bad. Yeah. Is, is Sean Strickland yeah, let's pull toxic masculine? Oh, 100%. He's, <laughs> he's about as toxically masculine as, he, as it gets. You let's know, pull up that car. Yes. I'm going to fix you, Bud Light. Yeah, like, yeah. I oh, mean. Him, him for Strickland's du- duplicy for, for the middleweight title. I mean, they've been talking shit on each other for like a year. And <laughs> and that. Sean Strickland's been talking shit, on, talk everyone, shit on everyone forever. He's great. I mean, he's he's a piece of work. That's for sure. He's very yeah. entertaining. I'll say that. I mean, he. But, okay, so here's my question, though. Do you think he's really, truly like that? Or do you think that he does it to draw so much attention to his fights and make more money? I think it's a little bit of both. It's I both. think I think he I think he is he is like that, but I think he exaggerates it. Right. And kind of well, characterizes it. Rightfully so. Kind of like McGregor. McGregor. I mean, look at look at Colby Covington. Yeah. All these guys. uh, uh Fucking Chael Sonnen. Like all these guys, they make they Personas. took this. Yeah, they took this WWE. Like persona, let's let's be the heel, yeah. and that that's because everybody wants to watch that guy lose. Everybody right. wants to see them fight because they're the big thing. Like, oh, he's he's the Trump guy. We want to see him get. You know, yeah. it's it's and then you know, Connor's obviously he, he just talked the way he talks shit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you watch his documentaries though. There's a few of them out there, and they're amazing. So and good. like the behind the scenes stuff, he's nothing like the persona that you see in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and. You know, it's it's always like, all right, is I, I, is this who this guy really is, or like, hey, is he really just trying to drum up viewership for his fights? Yeah, I think it's, I think it's. I mean, I listened to. I mean, he has had a very fucked up childhood. Like, if you listen to his episode, or I listened to him talk for three I, three hours when I listened to the Rogan episode, and I mean, Strickland? he had, yeah, dude, he no. had like, you know, I mean, told his dad to kill himself. He's like, Dad, fuck. His dad was like contemplating to- suicide, and he was like telling his dad he should do it. And like, he's—I mean, he's had some—he's some. I mean, he—he's had some fucked up shit happen for sure. But he's also like, I mean, man, that guy can fucking fight. He also fights 
he also spars more than anybody. Really? He spars like every every time he trains, he spars, which mm-hmm. for those of you that don't know, typically like most most people that fight MMA, I mean, I'm around a lot of fighters and I mean, from what I can tell and what I've seen, most fighters will spar like in camp, like getting ready for a fight, will spar like one, maybe two days a week out of camp. You know, if you're if you're kind of coming up, I think the more professional guys kind of like as their career goes on, they already kind of know how to fight. And they kind of might tailor that off when they're not preparing for a fight. But most of the time, you know, once, twice a week. But, like, apparently Sean Strickland spars every time, every every day. The, basically. Th- the thing that I believe that's not an act, though, is that he doesn't play up a character that's larger than life. He's someone who's very blue-collar and very relatable. He's from one of the more blue-collar parts of California, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, he, he is from, like, yeah, not, like, a nice area. I'm pretty sure he's from where... Social D is from, if I'm not mistaken. But I don't know who Social D is? Okay, well, Heresy. First of all, second of all, they're one of my favorite bands. But oh, sorry, I mean the dude just walks around what in a white T-shirt or some of his yeah, own white brand T-shirt, stuff. Boots, jeans, jeans and boots, the and cowboy like, hat every now and again. Yeah, every once in a while, I he, think. And then he drives. You know, he doesn't drives like a motorcycle and but like, like a regular a, pickup truck. I'm yeah, sure. and like a pickup truck. Yeah, that's, he's, that's says he's from Anaheim. Anaheim, so he's yeah. from California. Yeah. Well, more than anything else with him though. Is like when you look at Connor, he's friggin' billionaire. Like mm-hmm. he is larger than life, and it's definitely a super villain. Chael Sonnen was pretty blue collar, but that's the thing I really like about him. But he was like the first true like wrestle. Like he was like the first one to do it. Chael, really. Chael was yeah, for sure. Absolutely, he was like the original like bad guy. I'm gonna kick your ass. I'm you know, like, you know, like he was so cheesy. If you go back and watch some of the shit, <laughs> but it's so great. I love I love Chael now. Like his yeah. he's got a great YouTube channel. Yeah. Um, but it's, he's, he was like the, he was like the OG heel. Yeah. Um, and I, and I don't think Strickland, I feel like he's, I feel like he is kind of what he says he is. I don't really, I mean, I think he, I think he maybe amplifies it a little bit well, for the, for the, and he obviously puts on kind of a persona yeah. to, to draw more people in for the fight, which rightfully so, man, it's a smart thing to do. Right. It's a smart oh, financial absolutely. decision. Like, n- don't get me wrong. Like there is this like respect of martial arts, but like you want to watch, you don't, if two dudes are very respectful and like they get on the mic and they're like, you know, I, I, I really think my opponent, he has, he has a lot of attributes, but I, I think that I am, I am the better fighter and I, I will succeed versus I think he fucking sucks and I can, you know, he, he's not even going to fucking touch me. I'm going to fucking knock him out cold. Mm-hmm. Like that is, which guy do you want to, right. which guy is more entertaining? Right. Guy too, for sure. And, and then you want to see that guy, if that guy's an asshole, you want to see him lose. And, uh, and I think Sean's got some of that for sure. But like the fight itself, man, it's a super interesting fight because you watch Sean fight. I mean, I've watched him fight several times. He, he's always moving forward and he has mm-hmm. this weird, like Philly shell, which yeah. like is not very common in MMA. No. So it's uh it's really cool to see how he uses it. He stands like he stands fucking straight up, flat footed, just marches forward, and he just doesn't. I think because he spars so much, he is in just like incredible shape. shape. Like there, I saw this. I saw this picture, like compared to his last camp versus the camp. This camp, look at this. So that was his last camp. Oh, when he fought for the title. shit! Now this, this is what this is what he looks like now. Yeah, he's he's a stud as far as work ethic goes. But the other thing about that style. To me, it's just like his conditioning is one thing, but the other guy just Dude, gets. Drekus is a night. He's the problem. I mean, this is a this is not an easy fight for Sean. Oh, I don't think it's easy at all. But I, I'm pulling for him very. Hard. I mean, but do you look at Drekus? He he like he just. I don't he can't believe that that guy makes 185 pounds. He's so big. 
I'm 185 pounds. Well, yeah, dude, you look, I mean, he probably, he probably sucks down from like 225, 230. That's gross. That drives me, that's just, or it doesn't drive, that just boggles my mind. Yeah. That like, how, dude, how people I would fight can shed. probably with my frame. If I were to fight, I'd fight at probably 145. Wow. I'm, I'm I, like, I was 168 this morning. I would probably, I would probably fight at one one forty five, and, and maybe one thirty five. Right, and 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 going back to that Conor McGregor, the docs for him, and watching the, what he went through to cut weight, <sighs> and what those guys, oh my gosh, I've been there. Well, I couldn't. My, I've seen some friends of mine cut weight, like do the serious. Like I've cut weight. Don't get me wrong, I've cut weight many many times, but like the way that MMA fighters do it versus the way I've, because I I never did the twenty four hour weigh in with wrestling. I mean. I've done it for jujitsu, but I never, I've never cut more than like seven or eight pounds with, for jujitsu. But like these MMA fighters, they'll, they'll cut 20, 20 pounds, no problem. Or like not no problem, but like right. they'll, cut, they'll cut 20 pounds of water. I mean, that's what I was just watching an uh, episode of Rogan today with uh, Joe Pfeiffer, who's uh, coming up in the 185-pound division. He's, he's fucking going to be very good. He's very good. Um, but... He uh, he was saying that I think he gets down to he fights at 185 and he'll get down to like 208 and then that's when he does the water he'll be 208 like two days before the weigh in and oh wow yeah just and then but then after after you know hours later after he weighs in he's 200 he's like 205 or something you know you put it you put it all right back on right like I've I've cut you know I I think most I've ever like water cut in at one time was probably like eight to 10 pounds somewhere around there. Yeah. And, but you feel like shit. Right. Like, I, and that's like, the difference between like wrestling. What, what, what I did. Like, so some, some jujitsu tournaments will let you weigh in like the day before and you can, you can cut a little bit of weight. Like I've done that before. Um, but not, not more than like seven or eight pounds. And, and that sucks for sure. That's right. a lot, but that's like nothing compared to what these guys do. Right. Like the, the water the load. What, what they it, do is they drink like a lot of them do this. They'll drink like the week before they start like really ramping up their water. And so they like, so their bodies just like has so much water to, cause the more, I guess the more you have, the more you can release. I don't exactly know how it works, but that's like the, most of them are drinking like minimum of two gallons a day. And then like they cut all that off and then it's just like hot baths and saunas. Like the, a lot of them use the bath versus the sauna really? because, uh, well, it's a hundred percent humidity when you're yeah. underwater. It's just you know, miserable though. Cause you think about just like being in a hot tub and you never sit in a hot tub for a oh. while and you're like, Fuck, it's hot. I got to get out of here. Yeah. You don't got that option. You no, just, you got to stick and you got to stay in there. Well, and then you get out of it and you're fucking, you're lightheaded. I mm. could imagine. Bro. How. Well, and then a lot of times they get out of it and then you lay on the ground and you have, you have people cover you with towels so you keep sweating. That's, that's what a lot of them do. I've, I've fucking seen it. It's gross. Um, yeah. And then just to recoup and, and, come well, yeah, back and then, then, hours then 24 later. hours later, get into a fucking, the hardest thing you can do, yeah, get into a cage fight, right? It's it's but, it's, a, it's a scary sport, man. There oh, are dude, some truly is. terrifying people. Like the first fight I ever sat through the whole time was Tyron Woodley, and I was like, that is a horrifying human being. Yeah, he's a scary dude. Like, oh yeah, he wrestled from a zoo. I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. I'm man. Okay. I mean, mm. Woodley used to have a gym here. How about uh, McGregor Chandler potential, dude? I, that's uh, I'm, I mean, I hope I mean I hope it happens, but uh, the fact feels gimmicky. It does feel a little gimmicky, and the fact that they're going to do it at 185 is hilarious to me. I just because like Connor's like and his frame now. I know everybody's. I, I know he he's walk, got walking around. Isn't even like 185. He's probably like 185, 190. I'm but like, around. dude, he's like he should fight at 55. Yeah. I know. He, I think he's. Fought, I think he fought 
He's fought at 70 like once or twice. I know he fought Cowboy at 70, and I know he bought, I think. One. Yeah, he, oh, yeah, he beat, beat the shit out of Cowboy. In like a round. Yeah, it was like two, it was like a minute or two in. He like, it was like shoulder, uh, yeah. like Chad, they like, he had him pinned against the That was bald Connor. Yeah, yeah, that was bald I remember because that was, <laughs> that was I think Mardi Gras. So he fought, he fought Cowboy, and then was it the two Poirier fights? Yeah. The, the the Poirier fight, then it was when he lost, and he acted like a good sport about it. Right. And he started talking a whole bunch of trash, and then he broke his and leg. And then he broke his leg in the and then, fight. And then, your wife is in me DMs. Yeah, wife Hi, is baby. in me DMs. Yeah. <laughs> you, ever, you ever see him in, like, the chair where his leg was broken? And he's, like, rolling through Justin Poirier's neighborhood, and he's like, da 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 No, I haven't It's seen the it. motherfucking D-O-double-G. So, actually, it's been confirmed that they are going to fight. Oh, really? Yeah, so... It's crazy. This, this, is on, this, is, this is on the sporting news. Conor McGregor, next fight. UFC star announces bout against Michael Chandler. Uh, it's like June or something, right? Yeah, June. Mm-hmm. During International Fight Week. Fuck yeah, dude. Um, dude, it's just a big deal anytime he fights. You know? Right. I mean, it's a... and But, dude, he might not have very many more of them. I mean, no. dude, you got to think. You know, there's that saying that, you know, it's hard to... I, I forget who said it. I think it was like Bernard Hopkins or something, but... Um, I think he said like, it's hard to, hard to get up and train when, you know, when you're, when you're sleeping in silk sheets or something, it was something along those lines, but it was, I mean, it makes sense, dude. When you, Connor doesn't need to fight, No, you know, he's, he's made like a hundred million dollars off that Floyd, Floyd fight, I think. And then, then on top of that proper 12 and, and all that. So he does his brand deals. Yeah. He doesn't need to, he doesn't need to do anything for the rest of his life. You know what Connor needs to do? Connor needs to go into public office. Connor needs to be an Irish public official because oh, people he could are behind be. who him. wouldn't like yeah, Pacquiao who did yeah I mean, yeah I mean who wouldn't I mean yeah who wouldn't vote for what Irish per- I mean I don't know Irish politics at all I don't even know what they could have I don't know what their structure is at all but I could totally see him doing something in that you know all the stuff that we've noticed that is wrong about what's going on here he says all the same stuff about over there um as far as like the fight aspect goes I'm gonna roll a prediction on this I think Mike will win. I think Mike will win. Yeah. Oh, I do too. Oh man, I would. I would. Awesome. I would put my money on Michael Chandler for I sure. Just, well, I just. Mike is one of my favorite guys to watch. Okay, let's be honest. He we, comes out hot, hot, too we, hot. We've too, seen. Yeah. We've seen four people. I think it is four people break their leg like Connor broke them. You know, we had uh, Chris Weidman. Chris Weidman, and then then uh, Anderson Silva. Anderson Silva did. Or no, it was. Yeah, it was. Anderson did it on Chris, and then Chris, then it happened to Chris. Yeah. And then I think there's one more, and then I think someone broke, I can't and remember, Connor. but then, then Connor. Connor's the fourth. But uh, we've never seen someone come back from it and be the same. Be the same. Dude. Yeah. That's a devastating injury. And that, so, like, that's just, what I'm like, that's the first thing I think of. I'm like, that's a big fucking deal. And you're coming out against a fucking explosive ball of muscle like fucking Chandler. Yeah. Dude, that dude comes out like, a fucking bat out yeah, of hell. I, yeah, see, I think just people—we've just never seen it, man. I mean, all of the, all of those people that I mentioned are—we've never seen any of them come back and be be the same. You know, Anderson was never the same after it. Chris Weidman—I mean, I think he's had one fight since the break now, and he didn't. I think he lost. I'm pretty sure he lost. And then Chris Weidman's still fighting. Yeah, dude. Yeah, I mean, For real? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I'm not. That was I'm looking ten- up. No, he no, he looked. At, he did it like, yeah, he's been fighting for a long time. Oh, um, I mean, I'm a lot not, of those new old New York guys, like they still fucking around, like Rockhold and stuff. I mean, Rockhold's out now. I mean, he, after the bare knuckle, I think that might have been his last one after he got his teeth knocked out by Perry. Yeah, I, obviously, baseball's different than jujitsu and fighting and MMA. But I remember when I broke my leg pitching, like it's a, it's 
like you get back, like you're feeling, you're good and you're healthy, but it's, it's all mental. Like mm-hmm. being able to mentally get that out of your head, like something's wrong because you, your mind tricks you like, Hey, there's still, you're, you need to be hesitant on it because you might hurt it again when you might be at full strength and it, you know, guys just might not be able to come back from that. And now obviously I don't know the severity of them breaking their leg or anything like that or how bad it was. Like I couldn't imagine needing the surgery and stuff like that, but if you take the time and your bones heal up to 100% and you're back, I mean, that, bro, you gotta think, but you gotta again, throw that thing. I know at, at someone else's, that's what I'm saying. Someone that's, else's bones. You gotta throw That's right. The name that's, of the game is I'm throwing my bones at your bones. Right. And, and I'm hoping that hurts you. But that's where that, that that's where that <laughs> meant you get clearing that out of your head mentally. Be, and as so you're not having that hesitation to do it. And I, gar- I guarantee you that hesitation is what's causing guys not to really fully go all out in it. Oh, hundred percent. I would, I mean, shit, I'd be fucking hesitant. Checking, I was checking hesitant. A kick, like, I was hmm. hesitant when I was pitching and that wasn't nearly as stressful as trying to fucking kick somebody. Who's, who's going to, who's going to yeah, block, who's gonna block it with their shin. Right. And it's like, Ooh, I, yeah, no, I, I trust <laughs> me. I'm just, I, I would just think that would be the more of a, a mental side effect than actual, like the physical part of, I do got to say, though, as a guy who did striking before jujitsu, like knowing how to throw a low kick or knowing how to buckle at someone's knee if they don't know how to defend, it gives you a feeling of security. It's like, well, that's something I can do. Yeah, for sure. But I think it's I think that's also. Yeah, for sure. I mean, 100 percent. I think I think having any sort of martial arts experience is a it's it's always going to it's a net positive for sure. It's always going to make you feel more confident in a lot of situations. Because it's, it's, it's being used to being, being used to a certain situation. Like I'm four or five days a week. I'm being put in a very uncomfortable position with another human who's actually actively trying to hurt me. And I'm trying to stop that. And, uh, you know, it's just, you get used to it. And it's so when, if I, if a situation ever were to arise, like not in the gym, I'm feeling, I have a pretty good feeling that I would control myself pretty right. well because i'm so used to being there right You're, you know, i go there all the time i mean i don't know i guess I've, I've never really been in a physical altercation other than like a couple like fights in high school and college but like i've never had to thankfully i've never had to like defend myself in public i've been in some fights in sports but that's just throwing bows throwing yeah. throwing punches you know you're not before everybody breaks it up yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Or you you just put each other in a headlock and you're locked yeah. you're locked and then up. everybody comes and yeah. Oh, get my hair. Yeah. yeah break it up but uh I think that's our time, guys. Yeah. We gotta um, gotta get going here. But uh, hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Um, like, subscribe, tell your friends if you got something out of it. We will see you on the next.